p.m. where we will explore wacky subjects together. See you then. Hey, this is Mike Ramsey, Ramsey Auto Group, with Steve Pardue. 6175 West 10th Street, Greeley is our new address. Phone number is 970-443-5654. We specialize in used trucks and sport utility vehicles, but mainly trucks. We have extended our hours on Saturdays to 10 to 3 and Monday through Friday, 9.30 to 5.30. Serving the Greeley community and the surrounding areas, but we are really proud to call Greeley our home. 970-443-5654-6175 West 10th Street in Greeley. Hey, Chris Lewis here with My Favorite Gunsmith at MyFavoriteGunsmith.com, 970-776-0258. At My Favorite Gunsmith, all I do is repair firearms. I love freedom more than guns, but the only thing that separates a free man from a slave is firearm ownership. I would only add that it needs to work. All of my guns work. Do yours? Find out. 970-776-0258. My Favorite Gunsmith at MyFavoriteGunsmith.com. That's 970-776-0258. The views and opinions expressed on 1360 KHNC are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Excursion Broadcasting Network. Welcome to today's program, the Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church program. I'm your host, Rick Rodriguez. We are at the end of the world. We are at the time in the years prior to Christ's return. And I am going to begin in the book of Colossians today. And um, Paul, chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus our brother, to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying for you always. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love which you have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you, as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it does also in you, since the day you heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. As you learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, 
who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and do desire and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all that is pleasing being fruitful in every good work and cre- and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness giving thanks unto the father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins who is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of every creature for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth visible and invisible whether they be thrones dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by him and for him and he is before all things and by him all things consist and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the preeminence for it pleased the father that in him should all fullness dwell and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameless, unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Therefore I, Paul, am made a minister who now Rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory and his mystery among the Gentiles, 
which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Paul's message to the Colossians, chapter 1, verse 27 again, To whom God would make known what is the riches of His glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. On the day that Christ raised from the dead and ascended, that evening he returned and he breathed into a small group of individuals that evening and he breathed into them his Holy Spirit. That is the night that what we term the church age began. This was the Tinctures, night. hemp salve, moisturizing lotions, and retinol cream. Great, they also have pest tincture and hemp shampoo for a healthy coat and skin. To see all the CBD products and you carry, mystery. visit the station at 2 South Parish or check us out online. And another mystery was that, I apologize for that, I accidentally left a channel open. So, Christ in you the hope of glory. And um, also another mystery is the church. The church was birth on that day, which was not just an individual, but it was a family, a body of believers. It was a kingdom. It was the expression of all that Christ would be in the future. So that was a night when man men were born again. I, in the previous two weeks, I have talked uh, two weeks ago, my message was the matter of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Last week, I began with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I didn't get into the verses because I gave examples of the baptism the baptism of the Holy Spirit was the way in which God, Christ, empowered His body, the way in which He empowered the church to be powerful and be effective in power in the world to fulfill the commission that was given to 
his church. And that was to go into the world baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to preach the kingdom of heaven, a kingdom that is to come. They began to preach a coming kingdom 2,000 years ago. So 2,000 years ago, a concept was presented to the people of that time. And that concept is, there is a kingdom coming. And it was the kingdom that Israel had looked for in the time of the prophets, when their Messiah would come, and that Messiah would rule the world in righteousness. And the disciples, when Christ was here, they thought that he was going to usher in, bring in, bring about that kingdom. But no, they were going to bring it in and going to, it was going to be the genesis of the kingdom that would come. But it would take about 2,000 years for the gospel of, of Christ, who Christ was, his death, his resurrection, the rebirth, forgiveness of sins, and the power that would come to the believers, it would be manifest, firstly, Christ in them, which would be the power for them to overcome their natural man, to overcome their nature subjectively. Then, the baptism of the Holy Spirit later, 50 days later, would empower them to take authority overtly, objectively, outwardly over the powers in the world, the kingdom of darkness would give the believers the power to perform the miracles that Christ himself had performed which was to heal the sick give sight to the blind deliver mankind from demonic oppression from the demons and to reveal and present to the world the reality of who Jesus Christ was the reality of who his father was and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We, uh, in the time in which we live, because we're in such a demonic world, because the world is so fallen and has progressively become more evil, and even to the point where, I think it was in Jeremiah, at the time prior to Christ's return, the sin of man would be so great that it would affect the balance of the globe, the balance of the earth. It says that the earth would teeter and rock back and forth like a drunken man because the sin in the world would be so great. All through the last 2,000 years, we, uh, the believers have had the power of the Holy Spirit within to 
enable them to exhibit the virtues of all that Christ is, which would be expressed more clearly in Galatians, the fruits of the Spirit. I'm going to read these to you quickly. But this is the subjective power of, of what happens when we become believers. The subjective power is to be able to control what we are subjectively by nature. By nature, we are fallen. By nature, we uh, gravitate towards sin. So the Holy Spirit has to, by His power, subjectively help us to overcome the deeds of the flesh. Now, these are the works of the flesh here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, and this is the power of the Holy Spirit within. And through the power of the Holy Spirit within, we can overcome the deeds of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance. I, I, the King James is really hard to... Uh, I'm going to go to another translation that I think is going to help... Um, This will help break it down because these. Okay. I'm, I'm going to take my time. If I can, we're in a world that is fast paced, but through the power of the Holy Spirit within. The sinful nature. You will not live by your sinful flesh if we live by the Spirit. The deeds of the flesh. Okay, being sexually unfaithful. Being impure taking part of, of sins of depravity, promiscuity, worshiping gods of idolatry, uh, participating in witchcraft or sorcery, hatred, which is hostility, antagonism toward your fellow man, always uh, being in a spirit to make trouble, to cause strife, Jealousy, having uh, uh, not being able to control your anger, your rage, being selfish. Selfishness is a, is a big one. Just by nature, we're selfish. Provoking people to anger, causing dissensions, causing divisions. Friction, 
just always causing friction. And um, feeling envy, being envious, drunk, having just wanting to party, to festivities, to be festive all the times, carousing, doing, uh, and, and he uses the word orgies. This was the lifestyle of people back then, 2,000 years ago. Doing other things like this in the flesh. Paul says, I warn you now, as I warned you before, those who do these things will not inherit God's kingdom. But the power of the Holy Spirit within us, it produces fruit, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, or faith, gentleness, self-control. There is no law that says these things are wrong. No, nor can law oppose such things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their own sinful selves, the sinful nature, the flesh. They have given up their old selfish feelings and evil things that they wanted to do. They, they forsake passions, selfish desires. This is all done by the new life from the Spirit that we have received upon being born again. So that is the subjective power of the Holy Spirit. This is the subjective power. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the power that is put upon us like a blanket when you go to bed at night. You lay down and you pull a blanket and cover yourself. This is the power of the Holy Spirit upon us. And with this power of the Holy Spirit, we can have authority overtly over our surroundings. Now, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 5, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, for John the Baptist, he truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit 50 days into the future. Now, these believers, they are believers. They already have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. They are being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But now, he's saying, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit in the future. So we're talking about two different experiences. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power after that the Holy Spirit is come upon you, and you will be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem 
and in all of Judea and Samaria unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So Paul is saying that um, something is coming, a new experience is coming in the future. And in this new experience, you're going to be clothed upon with power from on high. So, we're going to go to the bottom of the hour break, and um, we'll continue in a few minutes. And continue with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, you being clothed. We'll be back in a few minutes.
So I've got to go back to the program here. Okay. Well, we're going to continue with the... Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 4. So they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And actually, I'm going to go to the book of Acts. And we're going to go through this. I, I feel it's important. The reason I feel it's important is because we have moved into the time of the end and the signs are evident the coming war is going to means that we're going to have to fight spiritual battle in a different way. It's not going to be able to be fought through votes. We can't fight it through protest. It's going to have to be done God's way. And we're going to Acts chapter 2 verse 4. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There were a Jer Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under God, under God, under heaven. So many different people in Jerusalem with many different languages. And uh, because... Uh, They were languages. They were. It would be like coming here to this country. You have people coming from all over the world with different languages. Russian, Chinese, Japanese, Indian, languages out of Africa. Well, this is what was going on there. Now, when this was spread around, spread abroad that there, the Holy Spirit had fallen upon men, the multitude came together. They were confused. They were astounded. They were shocked. Because every man heard these men speak in their own language. So these believers that were born again, they're now speaking in the languages of the people that were in Jerusalem. And they were astounded, the people that were visiting were astounded because they heard their own languages being spoken by these individuals, these, these believers that had just received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak, are they Galileans? And how is it that we hear these Galileans speaking in our languages? the languages from the areas where we were born. How is it that they are speaking in our language? 
they're Galileans. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, dwellers in Mesopotamia, in Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phygia, Pamphylia, in Egypt, and in parts of Libya, around Cyrene, strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Cretes, and Arabians, we hear them speak in our languages the wonderful works of God. So, you know, we've heard and read book, the book of Acts, chapter 2, and we, I, I will honestly say that for the most part we discount it because it's not part of our experience. Well, back then it shook the world. Back then, something happened that these people from these areas that were in Jerusalem had never seen before. It shook them. They were astounded. They marveled. And the main thing is, in each of their languages, Russian, Japanese, Chinese, whatever, they are declaring the marvelous works of God. So with these languages, there is a worship to God. So this was probably even a little more, I don't know if you want to use the word disturbing, but it was definitely catching their attention. It says in verse 12, they were all amazed, they were in doubt, they were questioning, they were confused, they're saying to one another, what does this mean? We've never seen this before. And this wasn't the first time they had been in Jerusalem. They probably become year after year after year after year at Pentecost. But here, this particular, particular year, it's different. Something is different. Something has changed. These men, we come every year, and the Galileans are here, but they're speaking in the tongue of the Galileans. They're not speaking in our languages. So, this is different. This year is different. Then others who were probably offended because they're glorifying God in these different languages begin to mock. And they say, well, these men are full of, they're, they're full of wine. They're drunk. They've been drinking. This doesn't make any sense. They're still speaking in languages that they're not familiar with. But Peter, and here's where the baptism of the Holy Spirit immediately is upon Peter. He stands up with the eleven and he speaks in a strong, loud voice. And he said to them, Men of Judea, and all that dwell at Jerusalem. This needs to be known. You need to understand and know what has just happened. Listen to my words. These people that are speaking these languages are not drunk, as you suppose, as you know, according to your thinking. It is the 
It's early in the day. I think it was 9 a.m. This is the third hour of the day. But no, this is a fulfillment of what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And they were there to worship. So they knew the teachings of the prophets. They knew the teaching of Joel the prophet. Peter is presenting it this way because he he realizes and he's aware that these people, Jerusalem, uh, Israel, the children of Israel, they had their prophets. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. And they paid attention to the prophets. So Paul says, here's what the prophet Joel said. It will come to pass in the last days. Now, yes, this was the beginning of the church age. But it has it has a dual experience to it. At that time, he already considered it to be the last days and the days in which we live, which are the last days. We are at the, at the end of the last days. We are at the end of the fulfillment of all the prophecies in the Bible pertaining to our time. God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh of all of mankind on your sons your daughters they shall prophesy your young men shall see visions your old men shall dream dreams and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy prophesy meaning they will speak the present the knowledge of who God is. They will prophesy about God Himself, about His plan, and about uh, they will prophesy what it, whatever God directs them to speak. I will show wonders in heaven above, signs in the earth beneath blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. Now, this was not talking about their time. This was talking about the beginning of the wrath of God judgments on the earth. Wonders in heaven above, signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. This would be the time after the great tribulation has ended. But before that time, these handmaidens and the servants, they will prophesy. They will prophesy as the Holy Spirit directs them. Then in verse 20, The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before that great and notable day of the Lord come. Peter is talking about our time after the tribulation of our time has ceased, is ended, has been completed. There will be a seven-year period of tribulation. Three and a half years for the first half, three and a half years for the second half. After that seven-year period is complete, is finished, 
than these signs of blood. The blood in, the moon turning to blood. The sun being turned to darkness. The signs in the heavens above. Fire, blood, vapors of smoke. After the tribulation has ended, has been completed upon the completion, then you will see these signs. We believers, we will not be here. We will have already been raised from the dead. We will be resurrected, so to speak. We will have been with Christ already. The resurrection, which some call a rapture, uh, the the resurrection, which some call a rapture, uh, that resurrection will have taken place just before the wrath of God begins. Just before the wrath of God. And before that wrath begins, we will be no longer in bodies of flesh or in the grave resting and waiting we will be we have been resurrected into into eternity with our new bodies so paul peter is talking about their time the signs and wonders and the prophesying that would take place then which did begin to take place but he's also referring to the time in which we live, which is even more important. Because we are now at the end of the age. Christians in America, Christians internationally, are not, for the most part, the, the, the family. of uh, The family of, of God I would say, oh, I don't know, percentage-wise, the bulk are not aware that we are close to Christ's return. With Catholicism, with the Catholics, there, there no thought that Christ's coming is even near. They don't know what it means. They don't. It doesn't apply to them. Lutherans, but in the evangelical churches, we are more aware that because we in evangelical churches in America have studied Bible prophecy to a great degree, we uh, understand that just with the changes in the world, we must be getting close to the coming of Christ. I look at, I look at um, what everybody else looks at for sure. I look at the apostasy with the churches in this country. The apostasy, to me, is so prevalent. Is so. Um, we are or so apostate in the churches in America that I'm astounded that many pastors don't say anything about 
um, where we are as a nation, as a as a as a culture, but as a body of believers, they're not presenting to the churches the the uh, a catastrophe that's right in front of our eyes. The churches in this country, even the evangelical churches, Pentecostal churches, Messianic churches, are unhealthy. Unhealthy because uh, we've deviated from pure doctrine, theology, not paying attention to eschatology. Because of that, um, we are apostate. That's the only way I can phrase it. I, I'm having a difficult time trying to express what I see. I guess one way I could express it would be we in the churches in this country are dysfunctional, which is what Christ said would, would happen, that with the apostasy, it means that there would be not a drifting away from important things of God, but it would be abandonment. We would abandon what Christ said was important, which would be in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. We would abandon His... We would abandon His um, teachings. This is exactly what we've done. We've abandoned these teachings and because of it we're uh, we have, we have, we're out of control without a vision the people perish the Christians aren't looking for Christ's return they are not, they don't, they're not aware of where we are in time where we are in this country we see what's happening in the country we are Basically, as a nation, we're ruined. And it's not going to get better. It isn't going to get better. It is actually going to get worse. We're getting ready for the top of the hour break. And... Uh, as we go into the next hour, I'm going to continue to read out of the book of Acts. There is a war coming, and we are going to, we cannot escape what's coming. We're going to, as a church, there's a great hardship coming to the churches in America. A great persecution is coming. There are members, there are different views in the body of Christ by different uh, groups, big groups, powerful groups, influential groups that say that we Christians, we're going to be victorious 
we're going to take over the world. We're going to take authority over the nations. We're going to change the societies for the better. And Christ commissioned us to change the societies of the world. But he hasn't. The only Christ will change will, will come. Christ will take the nations to himself. He will rule over the nations. But we uh, are going to be persecuted. We're going to suffer. We're going to be martyred. Christ said that if they hate me, they'll hate you. If they persecute me, they'll persecute you. And many in some of the, I think, deceived works or groups in this country are um, saying that we actually are going to have power and authority to the gifts of the Holy Spirit to change the cultures, change the societies, to bring about, in a sense, peace on earth. Well, this is not what Christ said is going to happen. He said at the time prior to his coming, there are going to be wars, rumors of wars. There are going to be the earth. Uh, there will be volcanoes, earthquakes. The sea is going to rage. The nations are, will, will rebel. And uh, in that rebellion, there will be there will be uh, well, I don't know how to phrase it. Great rebellion of the nations. The greatest rebellion will be rebellion to God Himself. We can't change what the scripture said is going to happen. We are going to live through this hard time. We are going to we're going to be here. We're not going to be taken out. We're not going to be there's not going to be a rapture. We are here to testify to the evil of the world, we're not to change the, the, the world. We can't change the culture. We can't change America. You can't change the flesh. Fallen, fallen nature of man, you can't change it. The heart is, like the scripture says, the heart of man is evil continually, morning to night. We can't change a thing. I uh, had to think about <clears throat> I was visiting with a friend this week. We're going to go to top of the hour break in just a few minutes. But the three corporate peoples that God views on the earth, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, the church, and the Gentile nations, 
will all be, in a sense, distant from God at the time that in the years before Christ returns and hostile to Christ. Even Israel will be hostile to Christ, their Messiah, to their prophets. The church, the churches, will be apostate. They, the churches, the members in the body of Christ, the great body of Christ will will not care for the things of the Spirit. They'll they care for the things of the flesh. They won't they don't want to follow sound doctrine, teaching. They're not concerned about eschatology. They're not concerned about where we are in time. We uh, and they like again the great uh, doctrine of demon is that the Christians will be resurrected to be with Christ out of an evil world, where the Scripture says just the opposite. The evil world will persecute and uh, will be will will martyr the children of God in the churches. The best example would be the mystery in Revelation chapter six about the. Uh, There is a, I'm going to go to that as we get close to the hour. I'll tell you what, we're going to, we're going to, we're finishing here. I'll come back after the top of the hour. I apologize. I'm very distracted. And with all the distractions, I'm trying to do the best that I can. So, Revelation chapter 6 is where I'm going to continue with when we get back. We are in a very dangerous time. And I'm going to be back in a few minutes.
to everything turn, turn, turn. There is a season turn, turn, turn. And a time to every purpose under heaven. A time of love, a time of hate, a time of war, a time of peace. A time you may embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Program. I'm your host, Rick Rodriguez. Contact information is Olive Tree Ministry, P.O. Box 872, Longmont, Colorado, 80502. And then podcasts are on 1360KHNC.com to the Olive Tree site for the programs. I am very having a very difficult time trying to be uh, not honest, but truthful. We are in, I feel, not the last nine, ten years before Christ returns. I see signs that maybe others don't look at. I'm looking at the apostasy in the body of Christ. I'm looking at signs uh, that Paul talked about in First Second Thessalonians chapter two, the great apostasy. I look at that as a major sign to the churches. I look at the conditions of Israel as a nation 
Israel is uh, truly an apostate uh, as the children of God, as the elect of God. They're, according to Ezekiel, according to Isaiah, they are apostate. But I can't point the finger at them. I have to look at the churches of God. All the family of God, all seven churches in the book of Revelation. As an evangelical believer, I look at the evangelical churches. And um, through my Christian life, I've seen the craziness, what is odd, strange, and what is aberrant, what is not, I guess you could say, everything that is not considered to be a healthy church. We uh, don't follow doctrine, sound doctrine. One example I always give is this matter of the pre-trib rapture. Christians are going to be that we're going to we're going to escape the hardships coming. I say no. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is the direction I'm trying to go and what happened on the day of Pentecost and how important it is. And I just can't seem to I, I just can't seem to get a flow on it. I just uh, that's the direction that's what I planned for for today. I'm gonna have to just I'm gonna have to go a different direction. Okay, I'm going to go to Ezekiel. I was going to go to Revelation chapter 6. This, this chapter, at the end of the chapter, um, there is, this is the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And then at the end of the, at verse 9, the fifth seal is opened. And John sees under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God, for the testimony which they held. Verse 10, and they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, do you not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? This is the great martyrdom, a one-time great martyrdom of the children of God in the earth in the years to come. There was a great martyrdom in the first and second century. That was not the great martyrdom that is spoken of here in John, in, in Revelation chapter 6 that John is presenting. 
He's presenting the end of the world martyrdom. The end of the world martyrdom of God's children in the seven churches internationally. But more, I focus more on the martyrdom that will happen here in America. And the reason I say that is again, like I said here just a few minutes ago, I'm going to be truthful with you. I'm not going to ask you to believe me. I'm not trying to coerce you, to uh, ask you to agree with me. I am just going to present to you what I see. Although I'm taking the position of what the, uh, the prophets of Israel, when they went before kings or before the society, before the children of Israel, before the nations, they were truthful to present what the Holy Spirit or, or what God had shown them in their time. The United States of America is in the Bible. We are in Revelation chapter 18. We are Babylon the Great. In the early part of this last century, 1910, there were many Christians who lived in the East Coast who believed that America was in the Bible, that America was Babylon the Great. And there's always been a pocket of believers in this country through the last hundred years plus that have believed that the United States was Babylon the Great. In the last 40 years, there has been, I can't say a movement, but I would say there has been a, a revelation by the Holy Spirit that God has given many Christians in the evangelical churches in America revelation concerning the United States and Bible prophecy. And they have been faithful to present to their families, to the people around them, their belief and their thought that America is in the Bible. Since 1981, through the study of the Scripture, I came to the realization that there's only one nation that fits the all the descriptions throughout the Bible concerning Babylon the Great of the End Time. It's, and the Babylon the Great of the End Time would have to be the United States of America. Now, in the Bible, in studying the Scripture, the Scripture talks about Babylon the Great or Babylon. Now, it only... It present, the Scripture presents Babylon this way. Babylon that sat in the Sea of Sand, which would be Iraq, where Nebuchadnezzar ruled from. Then the other Babylon, which was a mystery, and it was a mystery because it, it 
jumped from 800 B.C., roughly, to 2000 A.D. So you have the Bible presenting Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon in the sand of in the Sea of Sand along the Euphrates River. But then there's talk about Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel. They talk about Babylon, which cannot cannot refer to the Babylon of Nebuchadnezzar because it's different. Ne- uh, Nehemiah talks about a Babylon that sits between two great oceans or, or sits between the oceans. And then in the book of Revelation, John is talking about in Revelation 18 about an empire that he sees in the future, distant future. Not an empire that he saw in the past where the children of Israel had been captive. But he's being thrown in his thinking into the future to a great empire, the greatest empire ever in the history of the world. And he is very specific in the way that Christ has him write it. It is talking about an empire, a culture. It is a culture that is so powerful that uh, it exports evil. It exports sin because of what it is. It is it is um, it is like Egypt. It is well let me let me read Revelation eighteen. It can only it, there can only be an ancient Babylon and a end of the world Babylon, a modern Babylon. <clears throat> when they started to rebuild Iraq, many of the Christian people in the prophetic uh, that, that studied eschatology, what they did is they started looking at Iraq as a revival of Babylon the Great taking which they were assuming that Iraq was going to be so powerful it would fit the description of all the other verses that talk about end of the world Babylon in the time in which we live. And from the time that they started rebuilding Iraq it has stagnated. It has actually, in a sense, just sit. There, uh, Iraq doesn't even trade with the nations. They aren't allowed to trade with the nations because they're under sanctions for what Saddam Hussein supposedly had done. But now in Revelation chapter 18, 
this whole chapter, there is no thought that this nation is being sanctioned in any way. It is decadent. It is going to be judged. It is going to be punished. But it, it is not like present-day Iraq. It doesn't have any tethers. It is not chained. It is not restricted. This is talking about the United States of America. You don't have to agree with me. But I will say this. If I'm correct, and if all those other men and ministries that have talked about the United States for the last 150 years, if, if they are correct, the implications of this country being Babylon the Great at the end of the world, what this implies is uh, the gravity of it is is you just can't imagine <clears throat> excuse me if it is then that means that the coming son of perdition or what we Christians would term phrase antichrist will be an American president in the future and this means that we, evangelical churches, Catholic churches, Lutherans, we are in, if we are in truly, if America is Babylon, then we are in the empire of that coming Antichrist. And if this is true, then it, what is implied through all the scriptures is that eventually this nation will become a nation of Satanism, Satan worship. Antichrist will not allow the worship of Christ in his nation. And because he will not allow it, he will have to, there will be a campaign to Martyr the Christians of this nation. This is very difficult for me to present this, but I just have to be truthful about it. This is my view. If I'm correct, like many others, and I, I didn't see this on my own. I had others that I had been studying, others that I've met through the years. We, we weren't convinced. We weren't convinced by an individual that America was in the Bible. No, it came by revelation of the Holy Spirit. It came by studying the Scripture. It came by looking at this society and how powerful it is and going to the book of Daniel and looking, about, looking at what Daniel said about an empire at the end of the world from a Jewish point of view. And from the point of Daniel's point of view, Israel would have a uh, Israel as a nation would at the end of the world there would be another nation, a prince that Israel would sign 
covenants, agreements with. Revelation chapter 18. That means, so what I'm saying for we Christians, there are Christians in this country that are saying we're going to take over the nations. We're going to be victorious in changing societies and cultures. Whereas the scripture says that we are going to be, in this country, we are going to be martyrs. Antichrist is going to actually make war with us. That's in Revelation chapter 11. Verse 18, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 18. After these things I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power. The earth was lighted with his glory. He cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, has become the habitation of demons, the hold of every foul spirit, the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Now, unclean refers to sexuality, hateful birds, a nation full of hatred to what? God's children, foul spirits, perversion. And we see the way that we have gone with the matter of the LGBT world. This is exactly what the scripture is saying right here. It's fallen, fallen, become the habitation of demons, the hold of every foul spirit, the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. All the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, of her filthiness, of her sexual perversion, of her immorality. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. They were forced to go along with her agendas. They didn't, the kings of the earth didn't um, the, the kings of the earth they yielded to the presidents of this country whatever the presidents wanted to do they did it they're drunk with the wine of the wrath of fornication the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her the merchants of the earth are wax rich through the abundance of her delicacies a nation full of pleasures. Pleasures. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, that you receive not of her plagues. A friend asked me 20 years ago, Do I think that it means that we need to actually get out of the country? Well, it's kind of a yes and a no. For the Jewish people... In this country, the Jewish people, yes, they should get out of this country. They need to go back to the Middle East. And if it were possible, we also should get out of this country. 
But that's not going to be logical. It's not going to be practical. Scripture says that won't happen. The body of Christ in this country is a martyr church. All seven churches. Lutherans, Episcopalians, Catholics, Orthodox, and I mean the true, true believers. The Those that are not the true believers in these old ancient churches that are not believers, they will take the mark of the beast because they're not born again. They're not true believers. Evangelical churches, we are in the land of the great martyrdom to come. We're in the land of the coming son of perdition. I know that I see it clearly. I understand it. I've studied it. Uh, We are not going to leave this land. This is where we're going to be martyred. Now, what does it mean? Come out of her, my people. It means the culture. Separate yourself from the culture of the land. Everything that the land is, the whole culture is steeped in one form of idolatry. Idols everywhere. And we have to separate ourselves from what the culture is. Yes, we enjoy the things of the land, the things of life, but we're not hostage to anything. We're not hostage to uh, sports, the love of sports. We're not hostage to recreation. We're not hostage to, uh, you know, like in Las Vegas, buffeting. We, everybody goes out to eat. Not hostage to anything that this nation can offer. Come out of her, my people. Come out of the culture. You you may not get out of the land. You may not be able to leave the physical land. But you need to get out of the culture. That you do not, that you're not partakers of her sins. That you don't receive of her plagues. Her sins have reached to heaven. God has remembered her iniquities. This is not talking about ancient Babylon. This is not talking about This is not talking about uh, ancient Babylon. This is talking about America. This is talking about this nation. Her sins have reached to heaven. God has remembered her iniquities. Verse 6, Reward her even as she rewarded you. Double unto her double, according to her works. In the cup which she has filled, filled to her double. How much she has glorified herself and lived deliciously. She has lived with the best. She has enjoyed the best. So much torment sorrow give her. She has said in her heart, I sit a queen, I am no widow, I shall see no sorrow. Therefore her plagues will come in one day 
death and mourning and famine. She shall be utterly burned with fire, strong as the Lord God who judges her. There's only one nation that fits this description. Just one nation. And I, because of the power of the spirit of deception is so powerful and on the minds of the men who have been the leaders in the in the last 40 50, 30 40 50 years to give direction to God's children in the evangelical churches because the deception is so great they don't recognize that America is in the Bible and I can't fault them for that I can't I you know I could be um, what would be the word the, the deception deceiving spirits now there are some who know America's in the Bible but they won't say anything about it because they know it will cost them their ministries and really this is what it's about it will cost them dearly so they can't address the matter of America being in the Bible I am fortunate because I I don't uh, I work for a living I, I'm not held hostage to you know a big corporation a big bill a big uh, ministry I don't have programs so I have freedom that other people don't have but I do I have watched many of these ministers in this country and the ones who have pushed this matter of pre-trib rapture these are the ones that uh, I might have a problem with because what they do what they are doing is they are taking the Christian people out of battle giving the Christian people a pass for R&R, rest and recovery forever, where they should be training God's children and, and asking God's children and uh, directing God's children to be holy, to be righteous. One of the things with the Revelation chapter 14, the... Uh, the virgins, the virgins in that chapter, it says one thing they don't have is there's no guile. They don't have an objective. They don't have a plan. They don't have a purpose. There's no guile. All they want to do is please the Lord. That's it. There's no guile with them. These are they that follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. They don't have a, per, a reason for anything other than just being faithful to the Lord. The Lamb stood on Mount Zion, with him 144,000, having his Father's name written in their foreheads. I heard a voice from heaven, the voice of many waters, the voice of great thunder. I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. They sang a new song, a new song, as it were, a new. They sang a song as it were a new song before the throne. 
before the four beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song, but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are overcomers. These are the faithful overcomers of God in the time in which we live. These are they which were not defiled with women. They are virgins. These are they which would follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. Some think that this would be the the Jewish people pre-Christ. No, because these follow the Lamb wherever he goes. They knew the Lamb. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. In the body of Christ, not all will be faithful. In the body of Christ, there will be the parable of the five foolish and five wise virgins. There were five wise. They followed. They they purchased oil for their lamps. There were five foolish. The principle is the same today. There are the faithful, and then there are the unfaithful in the body of Christ. These will not be the ones redeemed from among men. These are not the ones that will be the first fruits. The faithful will be those that are redeemed. In their mouth was found no guile. They are without fault before the throne of God. The pastors, this would be wise if they took this virtue that whatever the Holy Spirit reveals to them, whatever the Holy Spirit, the revelation they receive, it's for them firstly. God reveals these things to them. But secondly, it is for their assemblies. They must tell their assemblies the truth. They must warn the assemblies of things to come. I'm warning as in what God has called me to do, warning those that I minister to, that I reach, things to come. We are in the land of the coming Antichrist. We are the great nation at the end of the world that is going to be judged doubly. We export evil, filthiness. We export homosexuality, lesbianism, every form of sexual perversion. That is what we are as a nation. And even in the churches, don't think that the churches aren't free from this type of filthiness. You look at what has happened in the Catholic Church in the last 20 years. It's all being brought out into the open. But not just the Catholic churches. Lutheran churches. All mainstream denominations. Any evangelical churches. We export sexual perversion to the world. Homosexuality. This new uh, concept of anti-God wokeism. Things of that nature. This is what we are. We export our evil. But with these 144,000, the pastors have a responsibility to warn their those in their congregations, those that they influence, to tell them the truth, to warn them of what is to come. We can't hide the fact that America is such a great nation that it's in the Bible. We can't hide the fact 
that if it hadn't been for the United States of America, Israel would not have become a nation in one day. And we can't hide the fact that in the Bible, Antichrist and Israel will have a relationship. Well, what nation does he come from? There's only one nation since Israel became a nation, and even before that, but mainly after Israel became a nation, there's only one nation that Israel has continued to seek help from. For military, finances, we had to uh, diplomatically, as long as we were on Israel's side, the nations basically uh, went along with whatever the United States would decide concerning Israel. We as a nation, when Israel is, is in a conflict with the surrounding terrorist groups, we always step in to begin diplomatic negotiations and also we can tell Israel, listen, we want you to stop the campaign. Yes, you'd like to take out your enemies, but you have to stop or otherwise we're going to cut back on our military budget for you. And Israel, what would they do? No nation has been more uh, has had more influence on the nation of Israel than the United States. To say that America is not in the Bible is uh, you're not being honest with yourself. There are things that are coming, and we can't stop them. We can't stop what's coming. There is a great martyrdom coming to all of the seven churches in America at the hands of this coming Antichrist. <clears throat> and uh, I know it's I know this is probably a little disturbing, but what this does is there is there is a with the children of Israel and there's there are stories over and over repeated in the Old Testament, Israel would always drift away from God. And Israel would have to be punished. And Israel wouldn't listen. And we in America, we Christians, we won't listen. But God has an instrument that He has always used and it will always bring His people back to Him. That instrument is persecution. When the persecution begins, God's people begin to return to Him. And that is the only thing that's going to change the churches in America. We, I know that, uh, I was just thinking yesterday that doctrine... It's too late to, to raise up a whole new group of Bible teachers that know the best doctrines, perfect doctrines, sound doctrine. It's too late because we're out of time. We're in the last roughly decade. Very soon, 
Israel to start out the great signs and wonders of our time. Israel is going to fulfill the prophecies in Psalm 83. And the prophecies where Israel will take out all the terrorist groups surrounding the nation. And uh, that, that prophecy is going to begin very shortly. Psalm 83. There's nothing we can do to, to uh, like, like I was going to say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Christians, we in America, we do not fear the Lord. We live in the best nation with the best laws, used to be the best laws, but everything has changed. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But we just don't fear the Lord. So the Lord, like I stated in previous programs, there is a persecution that is coming to the churches in this country. And one of the reasons the persecution is going to come is because of a movement in this country called the New Apostolic Reform Movement. A movement where they will use their gifts to try to take over and change the society, the, the, the agencies within the government, to try to change and uh, change this nation to uh, I, I should just read it to you. This is, this is what's going to cause the great persecution. And it's already begun. Okay, one of the reasons for the coming persecution. These new apostolic reform apostles and these prophets, they teach that the purpose and the task of the church under the leadership of these apostles and prophets is to take dominion of the earth. It's called dominionism. And according to the NAR teachings, God originally gave humanity dominion of the earth, dominion that was lost at the fall in the Garden of Eden. And since that time, God has been seeking, looking for a people who will reclaim that lost dominion. This is danger. Miller's church history, he wrote back in the 1800s that history has proven time and time again that every time the churches of God, the children of God, would begin to try to change the a nation to change a society, it always ended up in persecution. It never without fail. Every time the churches began to meddle in the business of the government, 
it ended up in persecution. And these people say that the task is going to be accomplished with the help of miraculous powers wielded by the new apostolic reform apostles and prophets and their followers. Now, I was reading out of the book of Acts in the first hour. In that book, in the book of Acts, there is a the reality behind the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is a reality. But the New Apostolic Reform, this movement, they have claimed that all the gifts of the Spirit and all the powers of the gifting through the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so that they can take dominion of the earth. No. We are going to use the abilities, I say, to bring punishment upon the earth for three and a half years. And then we have been using the gifts of the Spirit to actually help God's children to find the place in their Christian walk where they need to be, where they, where they need to be positioned. So the powers, the miraculous powers, are needed for the body of Christ. In purity, there are Christians who are sick that need to be healed. Satan is coming to kill them ahead of time. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to keep them alive, to pray for them. There are those who have physical needs, they're going blind, they're hearing, uh, physical health. They need. We need the baptism, the gift of miracles, the gift of healings, so they can be well. But no, we're not to use those abilities to take over the world. Now these, uh, I emphasize the importance of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But my position is much different than that of the teachings of the New Apostolic Reform thinkers. I believe we need them. It's in the Scripture. I believe what the Scripture says. Now, this dominionism is known, this teachings behind it is called the Kingdom Now. We want the Kingdom Now. I know people. I've watched this movement come into northern Colorado. I've watched it. And it has gained momentum, especially amongst the young people. The young people. Because the young people have been put into their thinking that the new plan and the new move of God is going to be, it's here for them. They have to replace the older Christians. And that they're going to be the new, uh, the new, uh, what's the term they use? Um, there's a term that they use. It's been, they're, they're going to take the mantle. The mantle has been put in their hands. I continually say, no. John the Apostle talks about little children, young men, fathers. 
in the body of Christ, a healthy church, you have all three. Little children, young men, fathers. You don't have just those in the, uh, that are young taking over the mantle. And with the new apostolic reform movement, their teachings, their theology is not a strength. Theology and doctrine is not a strength. It is a weakness. Their strength is the miraculous, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But they haven't, they're, they're very weak in the matter of the teachings and the, of Christ. They don't have any thought really on the disciplines of the Holy Spirit, to walk in spirit, to bring the flesh under control. There, uh, one of the thoughts is that this gospel of the kingdom, kingdom now, is that through Christ's death and through His resurrection, He made, uh, He gave us the way, gave the Christians the way to take over the world, to take dominion over the earth. No, this is going. This is going to bring about the great persecution in this country. It's already begun. Going back to Revelation chapter 14, and in their, verse 5, in their mouth was found no guile. They, were, they are without fault before the throne of God. This is the resurrection of the this is the the faithful believers in the body of Christ. These are the believers who are have overcome, who've been victorious in their lifetime, and they're going to rule and reign with Christ a thousand years. After this resurrection, after the judgment seat of Christ. Then you're going to have, for a short period of time, another gospel to those who still live on the earth. After the church is gone, there's still going to be a, uh, a teaching. And the teaching is, fear God, give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. Worship Him that made heaven and earth the sea and the fountains of water. This is talking about after the tribulation has ended, then you're going to have these 144,000 or the faithful. And it didn't mean that they didn't ever get married. It's not that. It just meant that they are considered to be virgins because they were faithful to Christ during their lifetime, during the years of their being uh, uh, during their Christian lives. Then, they're going to be raised from the dead. They're going to be resurrected. Now, the spirit of... Uh,
we we think okay practically speaking you have I'm trying to I'm going to go to Ezekiel chapter 14 verse 13 this is about the United States of America son of man when the land sins against me by trespassing grievously I will stretch up my hand upon it and it was to Israel it's to Israel initially I will stretch my hand out upon it. I will break the, bread, the, the staff of bread upon it. I will send famine upon it. I will cut off man and beast from it. Verse 14. This is the principle for the believers in America, in America, for the church. It is. It should be and is for many of the Jewish people also who, who will never meet Christ, but they are the elect they will keep themselves for Christ. There will be this group of Jewish people, 144,000, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes. But in the Christian church, the principle is there will also be a group of people who are going to be in this principle. Ezekiel 14, 14. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel and Job were in it. They will deliver only their own souls by their own righteousness, says the Lord. You cannot deliver anyone by your righteousness. You can deliver only yourself by your own righteousness. This has to be the principle of the People in northern Colorado and through the front range of Colorado, this principle here in Ezekiel chapter 14, 13, 14, 15, I'll keep reading. If I cause noisome beasts to pass through the land and they spoil it. So in other words, noisome beasts is like plague. And it will be one of the plagues of God. And they destroy the land so that it be desolate. That no man can pass through it because of the beasts. Though these three men lived in it, as I live, says the Lord, they will deliver neither sons nor daughters. They only shall be delivered, but the land shall be desolate. You cannot save this land the new apostolic reform movement, they believe they can save the culture. They can save the society. They can save the world. No. Ezekiel says no. These three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, lived in America. You would think because of their righteousness they would save this land. No. They only... They can't save their sons. They can't save their daughters. They only 
they shall be delivered by the, they shall be delivered but they will not save the land the land will be destroyed desolate verse 17 if I bring a sword upon the land and say sword go through the land so that I cut off man and beast from it though these three men were in it as I live says the Lord God they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters they only shall be delivered they alone just themselves we can't save the land we can't save this country the society the culture we will save ourselves only you can't save your son your daughter just yourself only this is the principle of the prophets the prophets are fully aware that like Paul said even at the end of his life he still wasn't he was still endeavoring to mature he wasn't even counting himself mature even late in life the principle with the prophets is your righteousness will save only you and for the prophetic people in northern Colorado you won't be righteous if you won't fear God if you don't fear God you can't be righteous if you don't fear God you will have a an attitude of leisure there'll be no sense of urgency not that we're pushed to do anything we're led by the Holy Spirit but you will be you'll have a sense to be led a sense to watch your surroundings watch what you're doing your activities then verse 19 if I send pestilence into the land I will pour out my fury upon it in blood to cut off from it man and beast we're not going to save the people of this nation other than through the gospel of the the gospel of Jesus Christ we're not going to save the people of this nation the only one that can save them is through the gospel is Jesus Christ you're not going to save the creatures of this land you can be an environmentalist you're not going to save the land you're not going to save the animals there's a judgment coming to this land and it's going to be a thorough judgment even to the point where there's going to be so much blood through the martyrdom coming in this land this blood is going to cry out that the land is going to cry out but there'll be no there'll be no cleansing of this land of America the bloodshed that is coming to this land uh, there'll be no remedy for it there'll be no cure now there is a there is a uh, in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 when Russia invades Israel 
in the present day Jordan when that war is over that land is going to be cleansed wherever there are bones that they're going to clean up that land for seven, seven, year, seven months and there's a group of people in Israel they're uh, according to the laws of Moses they are trained to go cleanse the land so as somebody is out in the out in the desert they see a body and bones they're to place a stake and they these rabbis will come or priests will come and atone for that spot there will be no atonement for the bloodshed that's going to take place in America the land cannot be cleansed ever this clan the land will be cursed until God destroys the earth there'll be nothing on this land other than demons and weird creatures If I send pestilence into the land and pour out my fury upon it <clears throat> in the blood to cut, cut it off from man and beast, though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughter, but they, they shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. If you don't fear the Lord, you won't be righteous. I fear, I fear the Lord in the sense that I have a good friend. He's a pastor. Been a pastor years ago. He still is in ministry involved. And we've talked about uh, men that we know that had been pastors and were, would uh, become unfaithful. They'd have a relationship out of marriage. Well, they were restored back to their positions of authority, even though they had been unfaithful. Well, the friend and I, we've discussed it, and we both know that should either one of us end up in a situation like that, uh, our ministries would be done. And their ministry, we might have the gifting, we might have charisma, we might have everything we need, but we both agree. And others have agreed with us too that should we violate that one, if we would violate ourselves because of that, that uh, an act like that, our ministries would be over. And the reason our ministries would be over is because we would no longer have the power of the Holy Spirit upon us. We agree on that. The Spirit wouldn't be with us. Now these other people, the Spirit generally is not with them either. But they're gifted. And they're able to continue. But with the friend and I, we know without the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, we'd have no joy. And <clears throat> there'd be no reason for us to even be here. 
though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, in this land, even though, even though we, there are going to be the righteous in this land, we will deliver ourselves only by our own righteousness. We will not save the land. We cannot save sons or daughters. We can't save the beasts of the land. We can't save the land. We can't save the nation, the culture, the people. We can't save them. We will save ourselves only by our righteousness. Just through our own righteousness. That is it. So we're going to go take a break here in a few minutes, a few seconds. And uh, and um, I will be back. So, and we'll continue the third hour. We'll continue the third hour. And uh, I hope this isn't too heavy for you.
Stand Ministry Radio Church Program. I have done some adjustments here today and uh, working through some things, and I'm not distracted. I'm totally distracted. I could be partially distracted, but I don't do things partially. I do things with my whole my whole heart. So if I'm going to be distracted, I'm going to be distracted with my whole heart. And I think that. Uh, Whatever you put your hand to, do it with your all your might. Do everything with your all your might. And um, so if you're going to make a mistake, don't make a mistake with all your might. Try with all your might not to make a mistake. But one thing is that God is uh, causes all things to work together for good to those that love Him. All things work together for good to those that love God. So I know the things that I've discussed are a little disturbing, but if I didn't tell you the truth, then I'm going to be responsible for... Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm responsible. And this is why Paul, the apostle, warned young men that wanted to be in ministry. It's not a light thing. You have the souls of individuals in your in your care. And the soul of a man, the most precious soul of a person, the most precious thing uh, to God 
It's not a light thing. And so with everything that I'm presenting, I'm laying out maybe, maybe what's negative, but the, the prophets of Israel, they warned Israel repeatedly, here's what is coming, here's what is coming. And the reason that the enemies would come is because the children of Israel didn't take the teachings of Moses uh, to heart. We haven't taken the teachings of Christ. We think, uh, well, we'll do whatever is right in our own eyes. We can't do that. We're all building. You know, the church, we are here to demonstrate the power of God. We're His children. And there is another kingdom. And that kingdom has power. That kingdom is real. It's a kingdom of darkness. They have power in that kingdom through those spirits to deceive the world. And they can even, it says, they're going to come and use miracles and signs and wonders to deceive the people of the world. So they're going to use signs and wonders. They're going to use miracles. Well, why would we as a body let them use the signs and wonders and the powers and we not. We've been given the power and authority of Almighty God. The problem is, in the body of Christ, you have those within the body who will use their gifts and the miracles and the baptism to take over the world. We are not here to do that. And we are to use the gifts of the baptism not with an objective of dominionism, changing a society. No. People are sick. We have a gift of healing. Heal them. Need miracles for, you know, uh, you're in, a, in, in the middle of a, a flood and you need miracles that you aren't swept away. I don't know. Can't think of any examples. So the inside of the church, you're going to have these false apostles and these believers. They're going to use their gifts to further their apostate cause. And the, the fact is this, this new apostolic reform movement, they are apostate. It is part of the great deception. It's part of the apostasy. This is part of it. And I, I, I know people. I, I don't like to push it, but I, I do mark them out. I pray with people that are part of this new apostolic reform movement. I had to, I had to the Lord told me, don't pray with them anymore. Don't pray with them. 
their object, their purpose is not to preach the gospel, not to change people through the power of the Holy Spirit within. Their objective is to change society, to change the politics in a city. No. I'm not going to, we can't further this apostasy. We, we're not to further or even attempt to uh, be part of any group that has an objective of taking over the world. And the other, another thing their objective is, is to control people like me, to control people within the family of God. If we don't go along with their objectives, they demonize us. They will, literally, honest, I believe they will get so upset they will kill us too. They could go that far. You know, they want to reform the culture. You can't reform this culture. You can't, you can't change the society. This country, according to the Bible, is so is getting to be so evil, so wicked. There is no re, there is no redemption for this nation. There is no recovery. the The only hope for this nation is is through the Lord, salvation in the Lord Himself. They're they're not theology. If it's not their theology, they don't want to have anything to do with theology. Doctrine, they don't, they're not, they don't care for sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is that we follow Christ, we're going to be persecuted. We follow Christ, we're going to be hated. That is sound doctrine. That's what the Holy. That's what the Lord Jesus told us. Another thing He told us is we're to, we're to build upon His teachings. These teachings of mine. I'm going to read um, in Matthew chapter seven. This is what the Lord said at the end. He said that uh, Oh right. There, chapter 7 is a great chapter. Not everyone, verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Those people, these people in the new, new apostolic reform movement, yes, they are born again. It's just they're deceived, I say. They're deceived. They, they're deceived into believing we're going to take over the world. No. They have the gifts of the power, that they have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They do. The gifts and callings of God are, are without repentance. 
They have the abilities, but how do you use them? Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now the kingdom of heaven can refer to two things, being part of the kingdom on earth now, or the coming kingdom. He's talking about the coming kingdom during the millennial reign. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Remember what Christ said. What I, what my, I, what I see my Father do, I do. If we don't see the, the Lord doing something, we shouldn't do it. And that's, that's a discipline. That's a discipline. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? These are believers. These are people in the new apostolic reform movement. In my view. I know these people. Many of them. They're born again. They've been in ministry for years, decades. But they got caught in a deceptive lie. The big One of the, the, the people, C. Peter Wagner out of Colorado Springs from 1991 roughly to 2001. It was only a 10 year move of God down there and God had to leave it. It, it. it began as something pure and ended up something contaminated. C. Peter Wagner, Dominionist, and then there's a guy out in California, Johnson, Bill Johnson. And it was and it goes back further. It goes back to to uh Benny Hinn going back and to Copeland and Hagen, then going back further than that. It goes into the Branham Bill uh, I think it's William Branham. And it goes further than that. It keeps going back. And the, the problem has always been in the Pentecostal churches is you get addicted to power. And you, you shouldn't be addicted to power. You should be addicted to being obedient. To With me, I'm addicted to uh, walking daily under hope, hopefully the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I practice every day. You know, even I even pray, Lord, uh, I feel like having lunch. I think, well, I'll go have lunch here. But then I'll eventually say, well, Lord, what do you say? What do you say? Where should I go? What should I do? I practice. It's what you should do. I remember, if you look at the in the book of Acts, I'm trying to think of the sorcerer's name, the, the boy, the young man. I should look it up. Simon. He gets saved. He gets saved. He gets water baptized. But then he sees Peter operating the gift of the Holy Spirit and laying hands on people that receive the Spirit. I think it was Simon. And Simon 
wanted to pay Peter for that power. Simon's in the occult. And in the occult, the draw is power. This is what draws people in the occult. Power. And it's the same in the Christian church. The Pentecostals that have been involved in situations where they've there's been demonstrations of power. They get addicted to it. It's addicting. They're the Holy Spirit. Christ is the example. One day, He went out to the countryside, performed, He cast demons out of people. He healed the sick. He restored the sight to the blind. Then in another example, he's out teaching and the crowds are following him and he has to feed them out in the countryside. He performs miracles. Then he's in the city, in the synagogue. Stands up and teaches. Then He's out on the boat with his disciples and he takes them aside. It always changes. Yes, in the book of Mark, it's showing Christ in his as a as a uh, healer. Matthew, he presents the kingdom. Luke, he's a physician. John, John presents Christ as God Himself. The very God of Heaven. Paul in the book of Hebrews. God, thy God. Christ is God Himself. He's part of the Godhead. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. A mystery. It's an experience. I began the program, Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The very God of the universe, inside of you. And we have this God in us, and it just can become common. Just common. No Christ in you every day experiences with the Lord every day. His assistance, He's helping you, comforting you every day. This is not common. This is actually earth-shattering every day. Many are going to come to Him in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in Your name? In Your name have we not cast out demons? In your name we've done many wonderful works. They had the gifts. This is many in the Pentecostal churches. They love the power. But here's what the Lord says. That I will state strongly, sternly to them. I never knew you because you didn't spend time with me. I didn't know you. You used what I gave you. But you didn't know me. I don't know you. 
there was no relationship. You just wanted power. You wanted to see gifts. You wanted healings. You wanted miracles. You wanted tongues. You wanted the gift of knowledge, the word of knowledge. But you didn't know me. You didn't want to spend time and have a relationship with me. Meaning, there was no inner growth. It was all objective, outward, baptism, power. But there was no subjective growth. I never knew you. I don't know who you are. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. You that work iniquity. Then verse 24. Matthew seven twenty-four. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, you do what I ask. You do what I say. I'm going to liken you unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended. Here come the spiritual forces. The spiritual forces from the other side. It's not just physical rain. It's not just physical floods. No, no, no. Christ is talking about spiritual forces coming from another dimension. The rain descended something from above. The floods came. The winds blew. The rain, the demons, the winds, the spirits in the air, the floods will be the wind. The demons will stir up mankind. And mankind will be used by the devil to destroy. The winds blew. They beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. Are the, is the spiritual world destroying your world? Is the spiritual world, the forces, the, the, the spirits in the air, the demons, the culture destroying you? Are you being shaken? But it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Verse 26, Everyone that hears these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon sand. He's talking to the believers. He's not talking to the children that do not know him. He's talking to the believers. Those that don't hear these sayings of mine, those that, that hears these sayings of mine and doesn't do them, will be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon a rock. I'm sorry. Which built his house upon the sand. He built his house upon the sand. The rain descended. The spiritual forces are going to come. The floods came. The winds blew. Beat upon that house. It fell. And great was the fall of it. This is what's coming to every Christian in America. Every Christian person. Young, old, child, young man, fathers. Men, women, 
married, unmarried, charismatic, Pentecostal, in the uh, Messianic movements, Catholics, Lutherans, Episcopalian, Presbyterian. The winds, the rains, the floods are coming to test everything that we, what we've built our houses upon. And it came to pass, when Jesus ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So this is what's coming. This is what's coming. When Jesus washed, when Jesus washed, There's one simple hearing hack. Any and uh, this is where it begins when Jesus washed your sins away.
It's going to be difficult. It is going to be tribulation. But, Revelation chapter 11 says that there are these two witnesses, two corporate peoples, two peoples from the nations that have been born again, that have the Holy Spirit in them, that have this whole power of the Holy Spirit upon them, it's not going to be the new apostolic reform movement. It is going to be these overcomers that have no guile. Their only objective is to obey whatever it is that God would have them do, even if it means being beheaded, if it means being persecuted. It, don't, it won't matter. For that three and a half years, we are going to shake the nations. Satan and his children will display the power that they have through the power of the devil, but it will not match the power that is going to be displayed through the overcomers, through these faithful believers during the three and a half years the first three and a half years of tribulation. After that, it says that in America, it will be nighttime. This land will be ruled by Satan. This will be the land, the greatest land ever, of witchcraft, of the occult, of Satan worship, ever, of any nation in the history of the world. I want you to know what's coming. Now, the responsibility of the apostles, that there will be apostles, I do believe it. And before God begins to reveal these true apostles and prophets, Satan is going to send in a deception. It's through the new apostolic reform movement. See Peter Wagner and the whole group of these individuals that have taken this philosophy. But the purpose of the true apostles, the real apostles, they have a responsibility. The responsibility of those true apostles is to test the theology of any movement any movement, to te test their theology. What is their thought on God the Father? God and His plan for mankind. Their responsibility is to test doctrine. To test, to see if any move, testing, I've tested what happened in Toronto, Canada. Many friends of mine would go up to these, they'd drive all the way to Toronto to be part of that. Pensacola, Florida. Tested it. Looked at it. Watched it. Joel Olstein. Watched him through the years. Testing. Joyce Myers. Copeland. Hagen. Testing looking at Rick Joyner, Greg Laurie, Chuck Smith, 
uh, John Wimber, my own pastors, testing. The apostles test everything. They look under every rock. Why? Because they're commanded to. They're ordained, called to minister this way. They, they look at eschatology. I look at the, the, the men in this country that are uh, in the, in the uh, end time prophecy. I look at all of them. I check, check their doctrine. I look at their eschatology, what they feel about this time that we're in. This is what the apostles are to do. It's, it's just what they do by nature because they know we test, we look at what Christ said. We look at what He did. We look at the prophets in the Old Testament. We look at the apostles in the New Testament. We look at the practice. Here you have men that are in the pulpit and they've had an affair or their wives have had an affair. Well, in the Pentecostal churches, I was just talking to a friend this week, there's a, there's a the ways of the Pentecostal movement. Somebody gets caught in adultery, a pastor gets caught in adultery. Well, you... Take him out of ministry for a while. You take a year to rehabilitate him, put him back in ministry. Not what the scripture says, but it's a practice. It's the Pentecostal way. Even the the way of the fundamentals. You know, everything, uh, everything they do, like uh, I have had where I came out of in the churches I came out of one of the the main leaders of the assemblies wife has been unfaithful but uh, nothing's ever done about it and she's having an affair with another pastor from another church this is the assemblies I came out of then there are some that are I mean, one relationship I, I knew of is the husband for 30 years having affairs on his wife and wouldn't have a relationship with her. But she was faithful. She was faithful to him in spite of it because she loved him. That's the power of God. That is the power of God. I don't know, maybe you think it might be crazy. But if I was a wife... And my husband had been cheating on me for 30 years. I think I would just get a divorce. But they had children. She remained in the marriage for the sake of the children. She stayed with him. She loved him. And I don't know. That's, got to, that's, that's a mystery to me. This is the power of the Holy Spirit in two dimensions. Number one. We have Christ in us. And by His power, 
we are able to have virtues that are pleasing to man and pleasing to God, then we have the power without to, when we need to, I, there was a pastor. I had to go speak to him. And the Lord sent me to him. And I said, Lord, I'm not going to be able to get in to see him because the secretary is going to filter me out. But the Lord told me, no, you go see him. I, what am I going to say? You go. I didn't know what I was going to tell him. I get there, sure enough. Immediately, the secretary, I ask if the pastor is in. Do you have an appointment? And I was, under my breath, I'm saying, oh, Lord, you're going to have to work this out. The phone rang. Well, the, well, she's answering. She's just a second. I have to answer the phone. She answers the phone. The pastor comes out of his, his uh, study. And I know him, and we begin to talk. Boy, did she get upset because she, I got by her. I said, hey, I was just in the neighborhood. I thought one wanted to say hi. And he said, well, come in. I got a few minutes. I sat down. And we began to talk. And I told him, I said, brother, this matter of denominations, God is going to break down these walls that keep his children from blending in together, fellowshipping together. The domination, denominations. And brother, he's bringing persecution to the land. And when the persecution comes, all these walls are going to be broken down. And I told him, America is Babylon the Great. Antichrist is coming from this nation. This was in 1991. I said, and, uh, and great persecution is coming. He didn't know what to say. And I told him, I said, and I said, the time of the hireling is over. God is going to begin to expose the hirelings. The next week, he called for the men of the assembly to come up to pray for him because he did, you know, and I, I told him, I said, I said, but I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about other hirelings. I'm not talking about you. I walked out of the office after the visit. I'm heading out the door. I take three steps out of the door. And the Lord said, don't ever put words in my mouth again. And the word was, don't you ever tell anybody that they're not a hireling. You tell them what I tell you to say, nothing more. And I knew he was a hireling. He called the 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 men of the church the next Sunday to come pray for him because he needed prayer and protection. He knew that something was coming. Punishment was coming. And it came. And he, one of the big Pentecostal churches in Longmont, he got caught in sex sins and had to step down. It's the Pentecostal way. Rehabilitate? No, that's not God's way. God's way is righteous. God's ways are holy. God's ways don't change. God's ways, He has paths that He's always walked on, and He won't change. He's unchangeable. The, the 
apostles of the, the true apostles will tell God's children the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Great martyrdom is coming to the churches in America. But you have time to get ready. You have time to prepare. And it's through Ezekiel chapter 14 verse 13 and on. Your righteousness will save you. It won't save your daughters and your sons. I say this to husbands, wives, anybody. Your righteousness isn't going to save this country. Your righteousness isn't going to save the societies. It's not going to save the culture. Not going to save the, the uh, earth environmentally. It's not going to save the creatures of this land. No. Your righteousness will save you only. And this true, real, this, this reality of the plan that God has for those who are faithful to Him, that are following Him wherever, wherever He is going, that have no guile, no purpose other than to please God. What is coming and the authority and power that is coming to this portion of the body of Christ, this aspect, this small group, this small company, this uh, heritage that God is protecting, you are the ones that are going to shake this, this nation and the world. This would be the the Lord says you're going to do things that even greater than what He had done. This has not happened yet. It's an, it will happen the first day of the tribulation. For 1,360 days, we will shake this nation and the world like never before. Everybody is saying, well, there's a great move coming, a great move coming. Yes, there is. But God has had to hide it. God is going to stop it, stay it, stymie it until he says it's going to happen and he's already put it in his scripture. Revelation chapter 11. The two witnesses, Jewish and Gentile believers in Christ, in Messiah, that are faithful to the Lord, that have built their houses upon a rock, that are living holy, righteous, that are uncontaminated, that are not worshiping idols, that have kept themselves subjectively, that are uh, going to be empowered with the power of the Holy Spirit and whatever it is there to speak and say, the Lord will give it to them at the moment they need it. So, we're getting getting ready to finish this hour out. I just want to bless you. And uh, may God, may the Lord bless you this week. May He bless you through the balance of this weekend. I, I just, I don't know how to just wish God's greatest, greatest goodness and kindness and mercy, tender mercies, that He will meet all of your needs, every need that you have, physical needs, financial needs, any kind of needs, spiritual needs, that He will meet every need that you have. 
You are His children. He loves you. He wants the very best for you. So, I just, uh, Lord, I just pray your greatest, greatest blessings for this audience. Greatest blessings for these people. I pray you give them wisdom, vision for the future. I pray you give them uh, the, the great wisdom that they have to have, Lord, as they go into the future. Wisdom like they've never had. Wisdom like John said, or, or like James said, if any of you ask, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask. And Lord, give wisdom to them liberally. Lord, that you, they will have your spirit. If we, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, then how much more shall you, Lord, give your Holy Spirit to those that love you? Give your Holy Spirit to, you, to this audience, to your children. Give them your great, mighty, Holy Spirit this week. Prepare them, Lord, body, soul, and spirit for what's to come. Strengthen them. Establish them in their minds. Give them your great power. Steal their minds with the power of your Holy Spirit. God bless you. God bless you. I will talk to you next week. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. The, the Olive Tree Ministry. Welcome to the Mike and Doug